0: Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. This is a podcast where we exclusively talk boxing. This week we've got all three members back. My name is Wilton Henry.
1: My name is LaFell Jackson.
0: Yeah, we had another pretty big week in boxing this week. We had a couple fights that came on a couple different networks. Uh, and we'll have other t- topics that we'll discuss this week. How's everything been going, fellas? Uh, how was the week?
1: very busy, uh, work busy. Then it's, you know, the, 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 uh, atmosphere of the United States right now, you know, as far as the election passing and and all the social media, uh, information overload. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Work was
2: crazy. Um, I tried to just unplug from everything for real. You know what I mean? Like I went to the polls on Tuesday after that. I was for the most part, zero dark 30 on like social media and for, for news. I started a new TV show and just kind of minded my business. till the results came out. So I I can't complain. It was a good week overall.
0: Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. And I I was, I I can't say I was the same way because, you know, I do most of my work on zoom and I kept having a TV on. I kept taking a look to the left. Like it's, Has all of the uh, polls come in yet? Has all of the results come in yet? So finally it was over yesterday, which is good, you know. It's a lot of information. It's, like you say, information overload. So glad that's done. Another thing I wanted to say, Danny, man, I appreciate you putting me up on Fresh Kiwi Juice because I listened to him and he got some stuff.
2: (laughs) He got some stuff, don't he? yeah. Yeah, so I'm I,
0: glad you like it. Yeah, and I ain't gonna lie. When when I listened when you said that, I said, Man, we probably don't lost about 20, 30 <laughs> listeners because who who is this dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until I heard him though. But man, let's go ahead and get off into these topics this week. Obviously, the first big topic is gonna be that Haney versus Gamboa fight. What you guys think about that?
2: Uh you know what? I thought Haney looked good. I I I I was reading, I kind of like to watch the fight for myself, and then I like to read like commentary sometimes to see what other people thought. And, you know, it seems like a decent amount of people were unimpressed. um, Mostly because he didn't get a knockout. And, you know, although that's kind of what he was supposed to do, like, I guess the unsaid consensus was he was supposed to get this fight, and it was supposed to be a showcase fight so he could knock him out earlier than Tank did, and that'd be like some kind of point to prove, but I feel like he beat him in dominant fashion. Um, You know, he didn't knock him out, but, you know, Gamboa was more mobile this time around than Tank was, I mean, than he was when he fought Tank. And he wasn't necessarily a sitting duck. And I felt like Haney still looked good and ready to compete versus the elites, to be honest. Um, Looking at the copy box, uh, Haney threw, he, he landed 266 out of 800 punches, roughly. Um, you know, and Gamboa was busier. he threw nine hundred forty-four punches, but only made one sixty-eight punches. And they weren't um, the power shot's favor favor Haney. So um, you know, I thought he looked pretty good. I, I it doesn't change my opinion of him. He he might you know, he might have the knockout power, but if you win rounds, then you know, you're still a good fighter in my the way I see it.
0: Yeah, I I my takeaways were I thought it was a great fight for Haney. Um he showcased his boxing skills, that jab, real fluid movement. He was patient. He never got really undisciplined. He was kind of Mayweather-isk in that way because Floyd's just gonna beat you how he needs to beat you. He's not he, and he'll worry about being uh more look better the next fight. And he showed me some really good balance, really great balance in his footwork. Uh, like you say, he doesn't have to pop like a Lopez and definitely not like a, a Tank, but that's not his game. You know, he's stuck to what he does best. And when you look at his performance versus, and I know Gamboa wasn't the same Gamboa that he was against Crawford, but Gamboa was getting rounds against those other guys, him and Tank. You know, and so mm-hmm. that was, he won every round in my eyes. Um, you know, you can see the the Mayweather influence in this game. You know, you can, you can definitely see that. Uh, like I said, the only thing he lacks is, is power, but, you know, it's early in his career, too. So he's going to get stronger. And I think that those guys now, they'll be better off, better suited to try to go after him now before he gets stronger, before he gets a little bit more, um, you know, better with some of the things. He was trying some things against Gamboa, and I, I it seemed like that he might have been a little rusty, too. So those guys, man, it's, he's only 22 years old or 21 years old, about to be 22. They need to, you know, take on that challenge now because he, that boy's going to be a handful once he get a little bit uh,
1: of that that grown man strength in him. So I
0: thought I was overall impressed with his performance.
1: Definitely, uh, yeah. I agree with both of you. I, I was impressed by his performance. Um, I can't believe the the flack that he's he's been getting, you know, uh, on social media and also, uh, really, his uh, fellow boxers, you know, talking about how he, you know, he doesn't have power and how. Uh, I, I, I've seen boxers say, Ryan Garcia would beat him and all this stuff. And, and I really don't understand it. It's, I think a lot of it is just the hype of him coming right after, you know, Tank's fight, you know, you know, Tank scored a big knockout. And then here comes uh, Haney. And I guess people need to understand, I mean, boxing is boxing. It's not just knocking somebody out. It's it's how you move. It's using skills, angles, and all that. Um and just because Haney is not just running through guys, knocking them out, doesn't mean that he doesn't have the skills necessary to, to, to be more successful than those guys that, that you know, have that power. You know, of course, because, you know, power punchers, they capture the imagination. But at the end of the day, I mean, skills pay the bills. You know, I, I mean, we've seen that with uh, when people were saying Pacquiao would, uh, has beaten uh, – Mayweather's opponents faster than he did, but head-to-head, Mayweather's better. Even when you look at the Super 6, when uh, Arthur Abraham was knocking everyone one out, even knocking guys out that I.J. Ward didn't. But we've seen what happened there. Uh, so uh, Devin Haney, the sky's the limit for him. It didn't take nothing uh, from him in my eyes. He dominated you know, pretty much every round, so um, props to him. Um
0: yeah. Real quick, though, uh, Bill, I just want to say this. I want to add a couple things in there, a couple of things that uh, as far as that division and, and when you pit those guys against each other, Haney is going to have some things that those guys can't do. He, he's really elusive. He um, and mm-hmm. I think one of the major things there's two major things. He's really elusive. He's not getting hit flush. I saw him right after the fight mm-hmm. and it looked like he, didn't, he wasn't even in a fight. The other thing mm-hmm. is his stamina. He never looked tired. I've seen Tank look a little fatigued. I, I've seen Lopez look a little fatigued, and they get a little bit undisciplined. But you have a guy who, in the 12th round, after the fight looks like he wasn't even in a fight, and he really, he's ready to fight another fight. That's going to spell trouble for some of those guys because when, once they go against each other, it's going to be a point in that fight where they're going to get tired and he's going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, that, I mean, 135 is going to be exciting division. Um, uh, I even saw someone uh, make out a, uh, a top eight tournament. Uh, he called it the great eight. <laughs> and I looked at it. I was like, that's, that's a little bit too much energy for me right now. I have to think about it, but, uh, a shout out to Laron childhood friend. So on to the next topic. Um, uh, We had an interesting one. Uh, Louis Ortiz versus Alexander Flores. Um, What do you guys uh, think about this fight? And and how do you think Ortiz should be ranked in the top five headweight division right now?
0: Well, as far as the fight is concerned, there's really not much to talk about because it was a one-round knockout. And what I was just looking for is to see if Ortiz, if he came prepared and, you know, did he look like, He, what he looked like at at the age that he is right now. And so he looked really well. You know what I mean? I I like what I saw. And so for me, as far as my rankings are concerned, I look at the top seven heavyweights. And so how I have them ranked is I got Pavekin at number seven. I got Usyk at number six. I have Ruiz at five. And then this is when it's going to get kind of different probably than most people. I have AJ at number four. I have Ortiz at number three. And then I have Wilder at two. And then I have Fury at one. And so that's how I have the guys right now. And the reason why I have AJ at four is because he's been avoiding guys. He's been avoiding Ortiz. He's been avoiding Wilder. So I can't put him higher than those guys if he's actually not willing to fight those guys.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um... Yeah, I'm tripping. To- it was on you, Bill.
1: Yeah, that was, this was an interesting fight. Uh, I thought Ortiz looked good. I, I still would be concerned at his age that he's not going around. We don't know if he has the stamina anymore to make any rounds, and this wasn't the opponent to, to happen. It was definitely a weird fight. It was a good body shot, but, but supposedly a body shot because uh, the opponent, uh, Flores, was stating that. You know, it was an eye injury that he got hit in the eye with, you know, by uh, either Ortiz's forearm or his bicep. Uh, so he went down, and, and the commentators thought it was his knees at first. Uh, it was definitely a, a weird, you know, ending. Uh, he he definitely didn't seem like he was prepared for someone like Ortiz. So I'd be curious to see uh, where Ortiz go from here uh, in regards to headweight division. Uh, that's for my top uh, five. I have Ortiz at number five. Um, he has good opposition. I, I would like to see him uh, just a little bit more, you know, active, uh, especially as this is probably going towards the end of his career. Uh, I have Reese at number four. Uh, I have Joshua at number three. I have Deontay Wilder at number two. And I have um, Fury at number one. Uh, I believe Fury's earned it. And um, he's number one until someone knocks him off that that spot. First of all, our commentary has already been
2: longer than the fight itself. Secondly, um, they say he's forty-one, but they say that you know some of the Cubans lie about their age, so whatever he is, it's safe to assume that he's in his forties. And whatever he's drinking or whatever he's taking, as long as it's legal, I want it because he, you know, the the guy still—I mean, for what I can see, the guy still got it. And really, you look at it—he's thirty-two and two. His only two losses have been against Walter, and so. You know, it really the only question mark is really his age. Like, losing to Wilder at heavyweight is not, like, really a slight because you only have one person that's beat Wilder, like, on a planet. I don't know about his amateur record, but you know what I mean. And so, um, I still see a live dog, even at 41 or however old he is, that's still ready to compete against the elites in the division. So, um in terms of where I saw, where I see the heavyweights, um, my top five, I have him at number five. And if I'm being honest, he could easily be number four or three. But I have him at, at five. I have uh, Ruiz at four. I have Water at three. So I have AJ at number two and I have Fury at number one. So moving from the heavyweight division, uh, we spoke about this before on the podcast, but um, in terms of Canelo Alvarez and the zone, um, as some of you may be aware, in case you weren't, in September, Canelo filed a lawsuit in the federal court citing a breach of contract on his 11 fight, $365 million deal signed with the zone in 2018. Um, there was mediation between the parties, the parties being Canelo, the zone, and Golden Boy. That mediation was not successful and the suit was refiled. And when it was refiled, an additional motion was submitted and it was settled by arbitration, which um, they disagreed with, but there's been an amicable uh, settlement now where Canelo is now a free agent. And so we have a situation where the biggest, the biggest face in boxing is now free to sign to whoever he wants to sign to, or even I don't know if he wants to start his own if he hasn't already or or whatever he wants to do. And so um
1: what do you guys thoughts on that and his potential fights I think and the great for now? uh Canelo? Um this is always a a, a bad deal for all for all of them because that 365 million dollars was never gonna generate and move into you know Canelo's pockets. Uh and if it did it'll be from you know judges and and lawyers and and that notion because i I couldn't see it happening because there's no unlike you know floyd mayweather you know who actually had a bigger deal there's no manny pacquiao lurking around you know as much as uh you know the great fighter and a big fighter he's he's not a yet a super super superstar that can generate the type of money it's not a lot of around uh, Canelo's weight that's like that. Probably not that many in boxing in general. But I think it it leaves everyone with the freedom to do as they please. Um, You can look at it as being bad for the zone and and Golden Boy. If they were great businessmen, they're really not because you can always, you know, rebound and and back up and they don't lose $365 million in the process, which could have happened because uh, there was a contract so um everyone leaves you know they they they, they part ways you know uh and, and we can go from here canelo is an opportunity to get into you know very big fights he has a uh, potential caleb plant fight which is a uh, i mean it that's not a fight that would sell a lot before a boxing fan it's a, that's an excellent fight to have then you have a potential uh jermall charlo fight which is also a, a excellent fight, that a fight that the public at, you know wants to see. So now he has these opportunities for these these big fights, uh, without having the, the the drama that comes along with it. So it's it's a it's a it's great that that, that happened. They can move forward and the, uh, I guess uh, was it Mexican Independence Day or in the Cinco de Mayo? I mean, we're gonna have some fights.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Bill. I thought it was. I think that's great for. Canelo and for boxing. I think it's bad for the zone. I think it's terrible for the zone. I don't know what they're going to do at this point because I don't know how you sustain a network with the roster that you have left. I'm disrespect to that roster, but I just don't see it. Um, So, yeah, so you have Caleb Plant, which I will be excited about. This is the first shot at a legit super middleweight belt. I still don't consider the Rocky Fielding belt, the belt that he had, to be a legitimate belt. Um. And and also, like, you know, he's still technically a middleweight, and who else is fighting super middleweight champions at, at middleweight? Nobody else is doing that. And so I'm excited about the possibility of that. And it, it could set up for that big 2021 where, you know, he had to Cinco with Mayo weekend. I don't think he would fight Charlo that weekend, but towards the end of 2021, um, you know, I could definitely see it happening. You know, Eddie Ren Renoso, Canelo's trainer, said he doesn't think he can make 160 without a year of fighting. Um, but Charlo has also said that he's willing to move up to 168. And so what we can set up for is a is a huge uh showdown with those two guys, as the prophet Willow has possibly predicted, have going down in Texas. So um so I'm excited about this news, honestly. Like sorry it is on, but but shout out to the rest of the boxing world for the potential uh good TV we can get, you know.
0: Yeah, Canelo's my guy. I I, I like uh, the cinnamon man. You know, I'm looking at his last 10 fights. He fought. The last 10 fights he had, he had Kirkland, he had Cotto, he had Khan, Liam Smith, Chavez, Golovkin, Golovkin. Then he had the fielding fight, Danny Jacobs, and Kovalev. So he does a pretty good resume right there. I don't know too many people who have a better resume in a last 10 fights. But as far as this topic is concerned, um, what i looked at, the the little – uh print that I saw was that they still are going to have a working relationship with Golden Boy, although um, they're not under contract with each other. So it sounds like they'll have a um, they'll just keep working with him. And so that's that's good. As far as the boxing is concerned, um, at this stage of his career, Canelo deserves it. You know, he's a big enough fighter in the sport of boxing to not really necessarily have to be under contract with a promoter. You know, he can do a fight by fight deal, or he can sign on with somebody for three fights, and then once he takes care of that contract, you know, be it with the other um, different companies, and maybe he can get more money. So he's at that point in his career where, you know, he's reached that that stature. So I like it as far as the fights that could be made, and really, I think initially he should sign with, and it may sound like I'm PVC biased, but I think that that's where he should go. Because of the fact that the guys that you keep mentioning that he's um potentially may face they're with pbc so you know uh and when i look at those pbc guys they're living really you know pretty pretty well you know what i mean like they have nice homes you know i know that uh what's my man named it's leo santa cruz he even named his kid after al hayman you know so you know, that, that would be a good place to go especially with the potential fights that are coming up um and i don't see anybody else at with the zone or top rank that would really benefit him for signing a pretty big deal over there, outside if he's going to fight Triple G. Um, and the eyes right fight, I don't think that that's a big enough fight to sign over there with them, but yeah, I like it. I think Canelo, um, deserves it to be you know, without having to deal with a promoter. Uh, moving on, so our next topic is going to be it's really not even a topic, uh, Danny. We're just going to let you cook a little bit because you know you were off last week. You know We know that when we have a, a, a person, I, I look at it like this from time to time we understand that you're going to need to load manage some of these episodes and so you may not be um, here but when you come back you're going to be a full strength and you're going to be ready to rock and roll so we're just going to give you the floor to talk about anything that you want to address uh, since you were unavailable last week.
2: Cool, I appreciate you and I appreciate having a, it's good to have the band back together for me. But um I'm not gonna take too much time because you guys covered a lot of good things that happened last week. So um I, I was able to go back and watch those fights that I didn't see live. And so I'm just gonna talk a little bit about those guys. Some of some of this stuff you guys may have already said. Um, uh, but I'm just gonna kinda give my take on it. Um, so obviously, starting out with uh, the last week's fight with Javante Davis and Leo Santa Cruz, um, I forget which one of you said this more or less, but um, Davis just took too many shots from for me. For me. Um, and if he takes those shots against bigger guys, he's got some problems. Especially when he takes his shots. Um, otherwise, he did what he's supposed to do. But I don't like him. Any of the guys that at any of the young guns at 135 right now. If, if I were him. If he can make 130 this time, he should make 130 as long as he could and fight who he's going to fight at 130. Because I like him a lot better at 130 and taking shots against those lighter guys than I do taking shot him taking shots against the Lopez or or Garcia. Um, with Usyk, his fight against Josora, I don't want to assume that he's not an elite heavyweight off of this fight, but he's going to have trouble with any elite heavyweight with with any kind of size on him. And, you know, it's not like he's a super young guy. He's 33 years old. And so it's not like you, you can't say that he's still going to grow into his body. He might grow into his body more as a heavyweight, but, you know, you face someone like a Povetkin or someone who's going to be coming at 250 regardless, and you're coming in in your 230s, you're just going to have problems, especially if you know what to do with you. So, you know, he had a hard fight when He had a hard fight win. Um, but his dilemma is, you know, it's going to be hard for him if he were to move down a cruiserweight because he's already done what he could do at cruiserweight, and so he's kind of stuck in a position where it's, it's like, okay, I guess I'll dare to be great at a class that I'm kind of undersized in, and so, um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens, but it was also a little concerning to see how much trouble that he was in at certain points in that fight. Um, and I'll I just I, I kind of Gloss over Mugia, uh, but he's gonna have trouble stepping up too against elite middleweights. He didn't look great, and he happened to catch Johnson with a shot at the end of the fight. But he's gonna have trouble. I was never high on him, but he's gonna have trouble. And I'll say with the new the Inoue fight, um, he looked great after the Air test last year and the, the layoff and the injury that he had, and um, he got some quality rounds against some quality competition. Um, he looked like the pound for pound that, that people says he is in this fight. And I'm looking forward to hopefully he has that unification next year against uh Casimiro, I believe that's his name. Um but you know, all in all, uh last two fight weekends have been some quality weekends. And you know, I'm glad to be here talking about it with you guys. So moving forward, we had Deontay Wilder, who is uh still has some things to say about his most recent fight earlier this year against Tyson Fury. Um, first of all, he, Floyd offered to train him and because Floyd saw some things that he could do with Wilder to to help him beat Fury in a trilogy fight. As we know, the trilogy fight is not happening because it had to happen by a certain date. And so the Fury camp has moved on. Um, Wilder has turned down Floyd's offer to help either way saying he, he said that he made it this far, why don't I need to change up anything? Uh, he's also uh, continued to accuse Fury of loading his gloves, saying that there was a, a dent in his head because of what was uh, loaded in Fury's gloves. Um, he's even went so far as to blame his former trainer, Mark Breland, who was with him, you know, for quite some time, saying that Breland spiked his water. Uh, he wasn't feeling right outside of the... You know the costume that he wore, and and Breland was kind of tipped off. He's claiming Breland was tipped off to throw in the towel to set up the trilogy fight. And um, and Lopez responded, basically saying that he's a grown man, he needs to take care of himself more more or less, like worry about himself and move on. I'm paraphrasing. He said some other words in between that, but what do you guys thoughts on on the whole the Wilder and the, the Lopez? I wouldn't say exchange, but that that kind of caused an effect.
0: Um, I'll start with Teofimo Lopez, and I'll I'll say I respect it. I respect what he said, and I understand where he's coming from. Um, And the reason why I'm saying that is they said what he said, and so he has the right to say that. And I understand where he's coming from because most of the time you don't hear fighters, you know, make excuses and things like that, and I'm sure another fighter, some people are going to take that stance. Like, dude, just, you know, be quiet about it. You know, be a man, you know, man up. And So I can understand what he's saying. And then uh, what other thing I respect about what Tiafimo T- is doing is he's not hiding behind his comments. He's, he spoke it, he said it, and he's standing by it. So that's all I can do. I'm not a really gossipy type person. So uh, as far as Wilder co- is concerned, I can understand where he's coming from because he wants to fight. I, I didn't necessarily hear Wilder when the fight was over with. I didn't hear him say it as an excuse at the time. It appears to me now he wants the third fight and then Fury is not allowing him to get the third fight. So he's bringing those things out now because he he wants that fight. And then the other thing, there is a cloud over Fury in terms of past, um, you know, in the past where he's cheated. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like he has a history of it. So, you know, if you look at, The situation with the Nicholas Asbury in 2018, he was really adamant about Fury taking padding out of his gloves. And then during one of the fights, you saw his trainer put the towel over the camera, you know, for maybe 20 20 seconds or so. And so all of that stuff is fishy. And then you think about 2015 when it was reports that he had a history of steroid use and that he used the cocaine, as use cocaine as a masking agent, so he has a cloud of suspicion hanging over him. So I can understand both sides, um, but and that's pretty much all I got to you know I have to say about that.
2: So, the reason why I guess one of the 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 another kind of tiebreaker I had when I ranked AJ just over Wilder in my heavyweight is because of AJ's willingness to adjust, right? So AJ lost to the Ruiz who. You know, you could argue that he shouldn't have lost to, but he made his adjustments and then he beat him. The fact that Wilder is still, and granted he said in the context of, you know, Floyd offering to train him, he says, I made it this far. Why didn't you change up anything? And so the fact that he isn't willing to really adjust anything because of how far he's made it, I don't, I I have to question his interest to ascend to, to be a better boxer at that point. Even if – and so his reason for, for not taking up Floyd's offer to train him was because Floyd has bet against him in fights in the past and he felt like it was fake love. Well, Floyd betting against him is not love or lack of love. It's I want to win money, therefore I think I want to bet against this guy or for this guy. But if – as a businessman, if somebody offers for you to, to, to help improve your craft, you know, I don't know – all I know is what I read, but I feel like you take that offer or if you don't take that offer, you know, maybe have a different reason, whatever. But, um, and ensure his beef with fury is, you know, fury has this clout, but okay. If, if fury has a clout, then the reason why the trilogy isn't happening is because someone in his team or maybe him, I don't know, but someone didn't see that clause in a contract where it, where something had to have been acted on, by Wilder's camp by a certain date. And so regardless of who fault it is, now you've played yourself because now you don't have that trilogy fight. You don't have a trainer. You seem to be turning your back on the trainer that you had, claiming that he fight his water and, you know, was kind of tipped off to throw in a towel. And so um Lopez was, I mean, Lopez pretty much said what a lot of people were thinking after they read Wilder's stuff. Lopez just happened to be a professional fighter in a different division. I wasn't mad at what he said, and like you said, well, I was. Uh, I was also not mad because he stood behind what he said. He didn't hide behind it. So yeah,
1: I, I, I agree with that. A lot of what both of you said. Uh, I understand where both are coming from. I understand To's comments because as a fighter, sometimes you just gotta take the the the, the good the good and the bad. Um, I even understand. Wilder's being infuriated with Mark Breland. Uh I can understand some of that because Mark Breland is actually not wasn't the head trainer, he was the second in command. Uh it's just that because he has that experience and that name, he was you know, he's assumed to be the head trainer. And I and I also have to say if Tyson Fury is guilty of uh of you know loading gloves or anything like that, whatever that has to do with anything like that, he should be he should be banned for life from boxing. Now that said uh, the issue I have uh, with Wilder uh, coming up with this is it's a few things. Number one, he didn't he didn't actually say this right after the fight took place. He never – after the second fight took place. He never really actually said that. The first excuse he made was his costume was too heavy. 40 pounds, you know, heavy, heavy, heavier than it should have been. Okay. Then it went from that to the, the problem was Mark Breland. Then he ended up firing Mark Breland. Then he said that, you know – Mark Breland, you know, put muscle relaxer in his water, what have you, and was trying to poison him, which is kind of it, it's, it's a it's a, a, a harsh accusation. It's kind of disrespectful, especially to someone like Mark Breland, who was like one of the best amateur fighters ever, you know, and probably a gold medalist on the the best uh, Olympic team ever. You know, it, it really puts a damper on Mark Breland and it's kind of unfair to him you know, to 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 start paying him is that without any type of proof whatsoever whatsoever. And also when it comes to you know the Glove Gate uh controversy and stuff like that, it's interesting because he, of course Wilder didn't say this right after the fight happened. But there were there were actually videos on YouTube before, before Wilder came out. I knew he was gonna come out and say this, but I didn't I didn't know it would take this long. And it's it's interesting because when they show these videos they show videos from the first fight. And this is the same fight where Wilder was saying that, you know, uh, this guy Fury, you know, punches like a light hitter. He's basically a light hitter. So it's kind of like how much weight does it, it really hold if you're showing, you know, video of the first fight and, it, it, and these accusations is kind of coming from online. Now that said, yeah, if, 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 uh, there should be an investigation. And if Fury is, is guilty of it, he should be banned from boxing. But my problem with Wilder is all I've been hearing since the, that second loss is excuse after excuse after excuse, and blaming everyone else except the one who is in the ring. If you are in the ring, you are responsible for what happens to you. If you don't decide to, to to get better and make the adjustments to win a rematch, it's not everybody else's fault. It's your fault, and and it, it's kind of, I'm tired of trainers being blamed for 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 the bad decisions that fighters themselves make. Trainer is trainer's responsibility is to train the fighter. It's not their responsibility for, uh, of the fighter to make adjustments in the ring when the fighter should have enough skill and knowledge to do that themselves at the, up to this point. The trainer is just supposed to get you ready to make those adjust, adjustments. So I think Mark Brilliant, it, it was uh, an unfair thing against him because now a lot, a lot of people are boxing fans had not heard of Mark really that much. And now that you kind of see him as this, this this guy with this cloud over his head, and it, he don't really deserve that. He deserves to be looked at as what he is, a gold medalist, an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah,
0: can, I, can, I, yeah, can I add a few things in before uh, we transition to the next topic? And again, I don't want this to go on longer than it has to, to go. You know, like I said, my thing is, I don't want our episodes to be longer than a Jamaican song. You understand me? So, um, but as far as this topic is concerned, the only thing, like I say, no excuses or anything like that. But if you put this on the other foot, if Wilder was the person who, before a fight, put something over the camera to in his dressing room, I think that this would be would to- looked at totally different. I, if Wilder, if he said before the fight uh, that I'm putting my hands, I'm dipping my hands in petrol to tough them up, like, come on, man, like and then the allegations and the other one guy saying that um, like he was adamant. You see the video is video of the man who was upset with fury because what they said was they took the padding out of the gloves because they wanted fury to feel like he was hitting harder than he was. And then they would put the padding back once he got his confidence up. And so that's what was stated back then in 2018. I believe that was the case. And then as far as these gloves are concerned and as far as he cheated, You don't know if a person cheat unless they actually get caught like we wouldn't know Margarita was a cheater unless um, Shane Mosley manager wasn't in there to actually pinpoint it and let, you know, those people know that he's cheating, but he could have kept going on and on and on doing it, but we wouldn't have known so. It's, it's just a cloud over Fury. And even when he won that championship against Vladimir Klitschko, remember, he had to give those belts up. Now, they said that it was because of cocaine. But again, they say that that is a masking agent for the type of performance enhancing drug that he used. So I don't know. It's a cloud over there. And then the last thing I'm going to say is the reason why I'm not really as like how teofimo lopez is approaching wilder is because of the fact that wilder wants to fight like it's like he's mad because i can't show you that i can beat this dude and so that that's to me that's a different story if somebody was like either trying to avoid the fight or they going in a different direction but they still making excuses and things like that i just think he thinks in his heart that he can beat him and he don't feel like he was right that day and so but we'll see where this investigation goes um but it's something it's a cloud over that man like like and, and the last thing I'm going to say, too, and I know I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, is that, see, now I start to question a little bit about Fury when it comes to, remember how we say, like, oh, he shows up for the big fights. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I understand that, you know? I
1: understand that to extent. But, it's just that. Yeah, that's all I got. With Wilder, he's he's blaming everybody except himself. He doesn't look in the mirror. And look, at this point, you should be been working on your jab. You should have be been working on your boxing skill. For your, for a Fury rematch, you should have hired Floyd like Mayweather to to help you out. You, so that's all I'm gonna really say about that. But um,
0: but how how will we know if they don't actually fight again? Like it, we know, already, we gonna already say, yeah, we been two fights be already.
1: Though I'm, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be a Maybe third one not. Like, but we don't it's know. not like they just had like one fight and it was. It, it's been two fights already. I mean, yeah, you know. So. Who knows if that third fight is going to happen and win or if it's immediate or not? I don't know. I, yeah, of course, I understand that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: And, and that's all-
0: can I ask one? Can, 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 I ask, can, I, can, can I ask one question? You don't think it's suspicious that
1: it's. I didn't actually say, see that, but that is suspicious if it happened. Yes, that's suspicious. Camera. Like, that's not suspicious. But-
0: Google it. It's, it's it's there. And then the, the announcer, the announcer says it. He's like, oh, uh, he put the tile over the. Look, Google it. it's it's that's like a twenty second video where they, they show it and they talk about it during that.
2: It's definitely suspicious. But the, the, here here's what I here's what I see. And like I, I haven't seen the contract, but but Aram said that his team should have read the contract because like if you really want to have that third fight, then you execute what you got to execute to make sure that third fight happens, especially if you you know you reach your own contract. If you don't if you don't follow a deadline, that's in any profession. And so
0: No, I I hear what you I yeah, I hear what you're saying. And that's like good, you know, business talk. I'm just saying, like in terms of guys fighting each other, you know, 'cause we can go through that all day. Like you, you can avoid somebody and say, Well, oh, no, I can fight somebody else now because you breached the contract, but then I go and fight somebody I can't even pronounce his name. And that's who you want to fight instead of Wilder. Like to me, that's just it you know, a little suspicious, but you know, hey. I don't. As a boxing fan, I'm into like guys yeah. fighting each other. And, you know what I mean? I can see if if, if Fury said, "Well, no, I'm, I'm gonna fight AJ right now," or "I'm gonna fight Ortiz," I'm gonna fight Ruiz, but no, he's avoiding that fight to fight somebody we don't even know who this guy
1: is. It's always, uh-huh. you know, comments amongst boxers uh, uh, going on, and sometimes I like to stay away from, you know, mentioning, these, you know, on these podcasts publicly, but sometimes you just, when you see an issue, you gotta bring it up. And this is a, uh, a fighter that I've been following for a long time. I've been very high on. And it seems like a lot of people like to, you know, not say his name a lot. A lot of fighters don't want to say his name a lot. And that's Gary Russell. Now, Gary Russell, he, you know, he watched the, the, the tank fight. You know, we all know Gary Russell, a guy, you know, fellow probably the longest belt holder today. He He's had titles title since probably, what, 2014, 2015 uh lone loss to Vasily Lomachinko. Trying to get that rematch hasn't been able to. But also, he's been calling out a lot of guys, you know. Uh, he's been calling out a team for a few years. Um, There's it, always been a fight I, I thought would be a big fight in uh, the DMB area. I never understood why they're, they're only really one cl- weight class apart, and that fight was never really uh, uh, coming to fruition. So, Gary Russell, he comments, uh, and I'm going to try to quote this. Uh, I'm going to edit it for language, you know, because I don't necessarily do that type of thing. But he says, Tank, Shorty, I want you so <laughs> explicit bad. Floyd was, was scared before the sixth round. I'm letting everyone know that right now because Leo was actually, because Leo was actually doing. Leo had a good, a good little game plan. He just couldn't stick to it. He's not defensively sound. Leo's not defensively sound, so he was, he's able to get hit with wide shots, uh, wide loading up shots like that. I'm a real dog, Slim. When I was watching the fight, all I was doing was licking my chops. Hopefully after this fight, Floyd grows some and says, uh, you know what, we'll fight Gary. We'll fight him because I don't want nobody in the world but you. <laughs> Um, you know what? What what are you guys' thoughts about about Gary Russell's comments? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as his comments
0: are concerned, Gary Russell is the real deal. And he said, Tank, yeah, I want you, shouting. <laughs> mean, you know how he taught, he got that DC lingo. Um, but yeah, it's a reason why Gary Russell only fights one time a year. And the thing is, is because guys are avoiding him. He can't get the big fight. He has to fight, and keep in mind, when he's fighting, he's one fight. Um, fight per year he's fighting it's mandatory so he has to has to fight that fight a lot of guys try to avoid that mandatory but he's willing to go in there and and, and get it on with him i saw him out here at oxen hill at the mgm a couple of years ago and it, was, it was a may event and yeah that boy he, he's gonna be in there he's not gonna play around um he's gonna be right there in the pocket and he has skills to pay the bills at the time when he initially was talking about fight tank I go to this Planet Fitness, I go to 24 Hour Fitness and Planet Fitness, 24 Hour Fitness is shut down right now because of COVID, but this one Planet Fitness that I go to, it's a guy in there, we talk boxing a lot, and so I remember him telling me, he was like, oh yeah, he'll whoop Tank, you know. I didn't see it at the time because I didn't see Tank fight enough other opponents, and Tank was a weight class higher, and you know Tank has that power and that left hand, so I was kind of overly concerned, or not overly, but I was concerned for Tank Not Tank, I was concerned for Russell if they actually made the fight because he's such a heavy hitter. But as I've seen more of Tank, I think it's a bad fight for him. And he is absolutely accurate because before Tank landed that fight, Leo Santa Cruz was giving him major league problems. And the only thing that Leo was deficient on was that he's not defensively sound. If he was defensively sound, that could have ended totally different in that fight, and Gary Russell is going to be in there. And like he said, I'm not afraid of no big punch, you're gonna to have to have more than that. And I don't see enough of the skill and str- strategy and, um, you know, little nuances of the game that Tank he doesn't have that. And Gary does. I think that's a bad matchup for Tank Davis, but I would love for them to have the fight because that's a huge event Baltimore versus DC. They both too, don't too much care for each other, so they need to make that fight. Um, but I would definitely, say yeah, Gary I, Russell I agree with like you, like Will. It, it's, it's it's this is an
1: interesting fight, and it's not just about you know, uh, how good Tank is or how good Gary Russell is. It, I think the styles play into it a lot, and even though Gary Russell is you know, a bit sm- smaller than uh, Tank, and he's, he's smaller than he's probably the same size or or, or as as Santa Cruz. I think he has advantages that Santa Cruz didn't have, you know, uh, Gary Russell, you know, he, he, he is the defensively sound. He has good fundamentals. He's going to have the speed, you know, that's going to make, uh, a tank think. Uh, he, and and one thing I've seen in the, especially the Jojo Diaz fight, uh, Russell has activity. He he has stamina. I mean, he he throws lots of punches also, but he's defensively sound as he does it. And and activity, it, it seems, is going to be a thing. that's going to give you know uh, Javante Davis trouble uh, because we saw in that that, that Santa Cruz fight, uh, Cruz was touching him up. You know, he just didn't have either the the, the uh, pop or even the speed to make uh, Davis overthink and like, man, I can get hit with something I don't see. Gary Russell does, you know, Gary Russell has a little a little bit of pop to him. Um, and and one of the biggest things about this fight is that uh, Davis people have never been keen on taking that fight. Now, Davis himself, he's always going to be who he is. He's not—I don't think he's afraid of anybody, you know. Honestly, He's said, "I'm from Baltimore," but I think it's some apprehensive about with his people about putting him in the ring with uh, Gary Russell because cause if somebody's talking that loud, sometimes you got to answer it. Like especially for a smaller guy, that actually could have been that fight instead of uh Davis versus Santa Cruz. It could have been Davis versus uh, Gary Russell. And, and I, would have, I would have actually paid to go see that fight. Even if it happens in the future, I, I'm probably going to see that. That's that's on my bucket list. Uh, so even though sometimes I, I think Russell he can be a, a little bit annoying sometimes, but in this situation he's 100 percent right. And I, and I think he he was licking his chops after seeing that fight.
2: Man, you know, in a in a perfect boxing world, right? In a perfect world, sometime in the spring, maybe COVID takes a break. Maybe COVID, maybe we got a vaccine, vaccine or something. But sometime in the spring, twenty twenty one, you got Gary Russell Jr. You got Tank. I don't know if they want to fight at the at the MGM National Harbor or what. Mm. Nah, it's too small. Too but small. you know, it, if, if if you're not gonna have people in there anyway, you know what I mean. But I just want to see the fight happen. But I also know how Floyd is as a promoter. And Floyd is in there to maximize profit. Floyd is in there to make him a star. Not necessarily have him fight the best people, but they kind of have the wool over over the eyes of people that don't know these fighters that they're putting them up against. You know what I mean? And so on one hand, like just like you guys said, Tank is, uh, sorry, Gary Russell Jr. is absolutely correct. And I would love to see it, and I would love to see Tank stay at 130 and 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 test that, or at least fight somebody, you know, a worthy opponent at 130. But on the other hand, it's kind of hard to see it happening because he poses – Russell poses too much of a threat of actually, like, living up to what he's saying. And I don't think Floyd's going to let that happen.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to add in that, yeah, you can do that, bad boy. Um They got that arena out there in Baltimore, that Royal Farms Arena. That's about 15000 mm-hmm. out there. Or, you know, they can do Barclays. They can do – I wouldn't put on the West Coast because you want people from here yes. to go support they got. And that's going to be a raucous yes. fight, man. I'm telling you, D.C. versus Baltimore? Oh, man, that's going to – that'll be really for some serious bragging rights. Um But, yeah, that's all I just wanted to
2: I got gotcha. you. So on on the note of, of Tank, because he, you know, he's he generally regarded as one of the, the biggest punchers in pound-for-pound pound in, in boxing right now. Um, it brings up a good subject of who are the best punchers or who is the best puncher in boxing today. What are you guys' thoughts on that one?
0: Uh, for me, I would say looking at the fighters currently, there's some guys who just have some really heavy hands. And I, when I think about heavy-handed fighters, who they touch you, it's gonna do something to you. It's gonna break you down. That's gonna be like a Arthur, better be a uh, Golovkin, uh, Leo, not Leo, but um, Teofimo Lopez. He has, he got some one punch KO power too. But I wouldn't put him up there, you know, as far as one of the top pound for pound punchers in the world right now. The two guys that come to mind would be Tank. Tank does. He's 24-0, 23 KOs. And when Tank hits you with that left, especially that uppercut, he's either going to drop you or he can put you out. But for the most part, it's going to be guys getting dropped and they may not have all of their marbles enough to be able to finish the fight and a referee or call a fight um, that way. Nine (laughs) times out of ten, he's not just going to put you to sleep. But the guy who has that touch of sleep that night, that night quill, that, that, uh, what do you call that, uh, ability just to, you know, where it's just all night night for you. That's going to be Deontay Wilder. Because when I look at certain fights, when he touches people with that right hand, the Arthur Sp- Arthur Spilka fight, when he put him in a hospital for several days, that Brazil fight, Stavern, Gerald Washington. And then if you look at the, uh, Lokovic fight, I mean, the guy, he hit the guy in his legs. Like, he was knocked out, but his legs was moving and shaking and stuff like that. It has to be Deontay Wilders being that.
1: Yeah, when I thought about this question, this was actually a a harder question than I thought it was going to be because I look at uh, three things. I look at um, who punches the hardest relative to their weight class. Then I also look at their punch selection, you know, uh, can they punch with more with, with both hands, though combinations, how they set shots up. Then it has to look at competition. Uh so I I came up with three guys who who uh who I look at as top notch. Uh it was harder to see who I rank over one over each because I have, you know, Deontay Wilder of course, I have Tank Davis and I have Naomi uh Anoi. Um so when I break this down, uh, I look at Wilder. He has the competition, you know, without a doubt. I mean, he, he's dropping whoever he touches, you know, no matter who they are. I mean, he's dropping guys. Uh, he's probably the hardest puncher uh, when we look at um, look at relative, you know, body size. You know, he's a tall fighter, but he's not a big fighter. But he's, he's just knocking everyone out. But one, one thing he does lack is, is punch selection. He really is kind of relies on that right hand and one hand. He doesn't have a lot. Of, he doesn't throw a lot of combinations. Um, it's almost like uh, he's more Ernie Shavers than than Mike Tyson, who Mike Tyson can, can touch you with either hand and, and set uh, all types of shots up. But then I look at uh, Tank Davis, who, who is that? You know, Tank Davis has that punch selection. He has that comp- uh, uh, combinations uh he is a, a a hard puncher where he's dropping guys just by everyone he's been in the ring with but one thing tank lacks is competition you know uh he doesn't have that 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 competition and yeah we can say leo leo uh, leo santa cruz but he's not leo santa cruz is not really a uh number one uh the same weight class as tank nor do you see tank knocking out guys at 140 or something like that, or 147, which be the equivalent of what someone like Wilder is doing. So then you have Anoi, uh, who he's he's you know hurting just by every guy he's been in the ring with. But as he's moving up in weight, it seems like his his power and, and even in competition, his power is not really translating as much. But when you look at his punch selection, I mean, it's, it's almost perfect. Like he throws every punch with with with. He sets all his punches up, his power punches. He's probably the best puncher uh, of all of them as far as uh, punch selection and how he throws the punches. But if I have to choose, I still have to. If you put a gun in my head, I'm going with Wilder because the right what he does. Even though he has that right hand, as soon as he shoots that right hand, it's good night. I mean, and he and of those three, even though he's a heavyweight, so it's different. But he really Wilder could be a cruiserweight. I mean, he's six foot seven, but he. He's coming in at 215 and stuff like that. We haven't been seeing guys that like sleeping guys, since Mike Tyson. So uh, I have to give it to Deontay Wilder.
0: And, Bill, as as you say that, and not my bad, Danny, I was just going to say, like, when I was thinking about the question, I'm thinking about if guys are the same weight class based on what they've been doing in their division and not necessarily how they set their punches up, but once they land that punch, you know what I mean? Who has that $500 duvet? Uh, right hand or uppercut? Who has that to <laughs> right. You know, put you right to sleep. You know I, I understand. I, I it's, just, it uh, it's like when I think of just that one you know, hit sleeper.
1: You know, I think of guys like who who often don't have you know like Ernie Shavers, right? Yeah, Ernie Shavers is a is a much harder puncher than Mike Tyson would probably ever be. But uh, I, I just look at Mike Tyson as being a, a better puncher. But I understand. I just I just it was a hard question because I started overthinking it. That's why. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying who who got them them hands that could
2: knock out a buffalo is what I'm, I'm looking at. <laughs> See, if it were best knockout puncher, right? I I would have looked at it differently too, but you know, when we had best puncher, I actually kind of had like some some rough categories in my head as well. You know, obviously it's the knockout power, but then it's also like you said, uh well, punch selection and how you set it up, and so on and so forth. And so I kind of have I have a guy. Who I think is it? I I have a guy that's kind of underrated, and then I have a guy that's a dark horse. Like, look out for this guy very soon. You shout it out, better be a will, and um, I would definitely put him up there as well. I think that Canelo is obvious is honestly probably one of the underrated punchers. Like when you see the type of. The, the way he kind of breaks the opponents down and also he moves up a weight you know and so the way he kind of breaks the opponents down with certain shots um you know for example the the Kovalev shot he he was working a body earlier in that fight and when he caught him he weakened him with a with a shot where he fainted it was a hook and he fainted the body hook to the head and that's what caught Kovalev and so when I look at, like, punch selection and, like, efficiency and how you use your punches to set something up, he doesn't have a one-hitter quitter necessarily, but the fact that he's able to be smart with how he methodically breaks fighters down I think is underrated. And then also um, I had, in a way, in my honorable mention as well, he, he has some massive punching, obviously in his previous fights, but his fight against Maloney. And then, also, don't forget that guy yeah. at Super Middleweight, that young fella, uh, Edgar Ber- Berlanga. Berlanga? Um, that's my dark horse. Like, look out for that guy, because he still hasn't been out the first round yet. And granted, you know, he hasn't fought a big competition, but what he has made clear to me is if you if you fight him at Super Middleweight, his punch is going to hurt you regardless of who you are. He's got to land him. So that's who I had. Now...
0: But but the other thing, too, like, you got to keep in mind that we don't know what Ryan Garcia is going to be able to do because, like I say, when he's touching these guys, it's like they go to sleep. Like, he, he'll catch them in an exchange, and it's like perfect timing, and they don't see it. And so I don't know if it's whether it's just his actual power or the timing on his shot where you know the shots that you don't see, that's the most devastating to a boxer. Or 100%
2: a agree.
0: Nah. Did anybody else have anything to say on that one? Okay.
2: Nah, that's it. Cool. So um this upcoming Wednesday is Veterans Day. Shout out to the veterans. My, my pop served in the Air Force for a little bit. But um
1: Vale understand uh, yeah. you wanna you yeah. wanna highlight the some boxer know, Doris works the Department of Defense and around a lot of, of veterans, uh you get to be directly exposed to what they do and some of a lot of the sacrifices they made and then you know um uh even even some that the experiences they have of, 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 you know, friends not coming home and things of that nature, uh, you really get to, to to experience their stories and things like that. So, um, for this Veterans Day, uh, someone brought it, uh, brought a profile to me of Doris Miller. Uh, one thing that I didn't know about him when he was an amateur boxer, uh, amateur boxer in the military. Uh, if you never, if you don't know who Doris Miller is, if you, uh, for in World War II, uh, the attack of Pearl Harbor, he's the uh, African American man who was seen shooting the machine guns uh, on on the uh, ship. Um, I, I know when I was growing up in school, they were show us videos of him, you know, shooting that gun and stuff like that. And he's been depicted in, in a lot in, in film. Uh, so the more I researched about him, the more I'm like, you know, wow, you know, he was the first black man to be awarded the Navy Cross uh, for that, you know, Pearl Harbor attack um actually he wasn't i don't think he was necessarily uh the person that was supposed to handle the gun he was actually supposed to feed uh the 50 cal uh machine gun while he was on on the uh, ship when the attack was taking place but he took it upon himself to uh you know operate the the, the gun and shoot it until it, you know until it was empty uh and also he helps um injured sail- sailors moved through oil and water, you know, while the ship was on fire and he, w- he was saving lives. And, and this part, I really didn't know. Ultimately, he was, you know, he was killed in a battle, you know, on almost two years uh, from after Pearl Harbor. So he died, you know, in service. So, you know, it touched me that a lot of guys get talked about, but, you know, when you, l- when you look back, you want to be remembered. And especially when you, you give sacrifices for uh, freedom, uh, so I, I just like to bring, you know, Doris Miller to, to light. He was an amateur boxer. So, you know, he's in a boxing family. So it, you know, mentally it makes him, you know, he's a fighter and he, he went out fighting uh, for our freedom. So that's the honor, you know, the honorable Doris Miller. All
0: All right. So do we got anything else we want to address from with this episode? All I yeah, we 16 strong as far as these episodes are concerned. We're going to wrap things up. I'm going to shout out uh, Sean P and the Rockin' This Monster, who used to perform a group called the Healthy Skelter. And I'm going to end on this note. If you are, you know, rocking with the movement, you know. Peace. Hopefully we'll catch you back in a week. But if you're not rocking with the movement, then you're just back Peace. in a week.